Hey, time for you to reach your full potential. Getting into health and fitness, this is what you're missing. Going harder, ain't nothing gonna stop you. Go on a journey with genetics coach Laura Rogers. Yeah, here to take you to the next level. Been in the health and fitness industry since 07. Working with so many athletes. Push it to the limit with world champions, yeah, and some Paralympians. Hey, working from Brisbane to Singapore. We train, we going hard. All out, we keep it raw. Laura Rogers, let's go. Well, how are you? I am really, really well. Come back to the break. So, yeah, it's been great, actually. Really nice to find some spaciousness and enjoy a different temperature and do some different things. So it's been awesome. How about you? It's like already August. I'm going to blink and it's going to be Christmas. Oh, my gosh. Tell me about it. Right? It's, um, yeah, almost halfway through August. How? I'm still in March. I'm like March 27, 2022. No, apparently not. So, I mean, that's fun. I know. Tell me about it. I'm exactly the same, actually. It <sighs> is just bonkers how fast it is whizzing past. Right. And, you know, I'll tell you this, we're relocating in... December. I did tell you, didn't I? Yeah. Is it Bali? Well, I'm moving to Bali. So like, that's like sneaking up. Like it's just, it's going to be here before we have even blinked. Ah! Don't blink. Keep your eyes open. And why do you think that is? Like what contributes to time going by so quickly? Is it just the fast paced nature of this part of the world? Is it people doing a million things all at once are we just not stopping and pausing and breathing and because like, I don't smell the bruises like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I think there's many things I think time seems to speed up faster as we get older I yeah. think it just seems to speed up faster I mean astrologically there's people saying that we're entering into like a time period where actually time is moving faster there's like a specific like astrological like cycle that we've moved into so if you're into that stuff but yeah I mean there's just it's just it's zooming past isn't it really truly because I set quarterly goals for myself and with my clients and I feel as though I barely did that the other day and I'm like wait again but hang on we just did this didn't we? Yeah. It's just, wow. It reminds me of the importance to enjoy the moment we're in and we're experiencing because, again, it's going to be October in, like, a week, I swear. And then (laughs) then it's 2023 and then it's 2030. And then I'm like, wow, this has just gone by and how much – how much time have I dedicated to appreciating my time because I feel like that's something I could definitely work on yes yes and yes Mm -hmm. so tell me what you what do you want to talk about today (laughs) everything but (laughs) especially love your latest posts at least the most recent one I saw with regards to productivity because okay I see that resonating with so many people and I think we've got productivity kind of back to front upside down inside out and 
we're perhaps chasing not the wrong metric, but maybe we're just going about it in a suboptimal way. And productivity all sounds really nice, but then you realize actually using it to self-sabotage and maybe it's not so fun. And maybe that's why you never feel like you've been productive because you intentionally, unintentionally, intentionally keep adding stuff to your to-do list just so you can keep yourself busy and not actually feel what you're feeling and not your pain, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I would love to go like real deep on that. If okay. you're down for that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. So tell me, I mean, a lot of people would see you for a number of reasons. I think you have somewhat similar audiences and, and crossover in terms of you work with like a lot of busy working corporates who part of their job is to be busy, is to take on a lot of responsibility and to kind of hold the fort, do the job of 10 men, you know, with their arms tied behind their back in their sleep. And make it all look really easy, despite that they're on their sixth cup of coffee and sort of in the day. So <laughs> what do you observe, you know, in the work that you do with the people you work with when it comes to people's relationship with productivity? Yeah. So let me start by saying productivity in itself is not bad. Okay. Mm-hmm is good for us to achieve things, to do things, get things done, have to-do lists. Mm. What I observe in my work is that productivity can go too far Mm. and it has a dark side and it has a shadow side. So for many of the clients that I work with, they are caught in a productivity world Mm. It's this cycle where they're constantly doing, 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 doing for the sake of doing. Mm. And the result is that they end up not feeling particularly joyful about their lives because they're exhausted, mm. they're drained, they're overworked. Mm-hmm. They're not like really tuning in and aligning themselves with what's important to them because they don't have a second in the day to do that. They don't carve out any time for themselves. Mm. And so when we look at people, we're all, we all consist of masculine and feminine energies. Mm -hmm. Okay. The masculine is the productivity. It is the do, it is the systems, it's the plans. And the feminine is the flow, is the creativity, it's the self-care, it's the intuition. And so what's happened for many of the clients that I work with is that the masculine is so dominant and predominant in their system that there's actually a whole part of themselves which they're not honoring. Mm. They're not allowing themselves any respite from the constant doing, which ends up in exhaustion. It ends up in fatigue. It ends up with frustration. And ultimately, it can end up in burnout. And that's so interesting that you said it because I primarily work with women and, you know, these are women who either work part-time or full-time. Often they have a child or two children. And so on top of having their own work work to do, they have, you know, family work in terms of looking after children and, you know, raising them uh, in addition to everything else, as well as looking after themselves, just themselves outside of their work and outside of their children. So how does a female being in her masculine energy for prolonged periods of time or for the majority of the time, how does that present 
in females? I mean, you mentioned burnout, but what else does that look like in terms of characteristics and traits that we start to see? So you mentioned a few different things that you started off by talking about all the different hats that we wear Mm -hmm. as women and your clients wear as women, which Mm -hmm. is one thing which adds on to this whole feeling of fatigue, burnout, stress. But what I generally see in my clients is that they come to me because there's a lack of fulfillment Mm. in some way in what they're doing. They've lost a bit of the joy. They've come to me because they're not acting in their relationships in the way that they want to act. They're not proud of the behaviors that they're displaying with the people that they most care about because they're so stressed, because Mm -hmm. they're so anxious, because like you say, they're wearing all of these hats and I'm a mother as well. I've got two small children at home. Mm -hmm. So I totally understand what it feels like to wear all of the hats. Mm. Have a family at home, run my own business, you know, <clears throat> have want to be there as a great friend and as a daughter and all of these things. So I totally get it. And so the way it presents for the clients that come to work with me is a general lack of discontent and unease and unfulfillment in what they're doing. Mm. I find that so interesting because I really see that too you know when I start to get to know the people I'm training and working with on a bit of a deeper level and when we start to unpack why they have these maybe like a better word like addiction to perfectionism and addictions to not so much exercise I will say but they also seem to present with cravings to certain foods or they're like addicted to being on diets. And for me, from what I've observed, you know, addiction is just someone trying to fill a void, basically. Like in essence, addiction is a void that you're trying to fill and you can fill it in a number of ways. And so when I start to pick up on these things and the people I work with, often I'll ask them, well, what do you do to fulfill yourself? And there's just no answer. There's tumbleweed, there's crickets chirping, there's silence, there's like, I don't know, tectonic shifts in the world, but there's no known way to answer that question because these women are so preoccupied with trying to keep all of these plates in the air spinning and not daring to have any of them come near the floor and crash. And... So it's just interesting to hear the word fulfillment because I totally see that. Like almost, I would actually say adult lack of fulfillment is endemic. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I completely agree. And there's so many different reasons for that. If we take it back into the subject for today, which is all about like being productive and overworking, a lot of it's to do with not honoring all these different parts of yourself. So not actually honoring yourself and your self-care, not learning to prioritize yourself, not learning to slow down. Many of the women and men that I work with, Mm. they want to, they have a desire to slow down. A part of them does. Mm. Uh, 
<laughs> there's a larger part of them that needs them to keep moving, needs them to keep achieving, needs them to keep doing in this constant doing cycle because mm. this is what our society values. We grow up being taught do mm. work harder, work mm. harder. You know, if you work harder, you're going to go further. You're going to go yeah. faster. You're going to earn more. Work hard, play hard. You know, all of these different things that we grow up with, we grow up hearing and they become part of our reality. So we're like, got to work hard, got to work hard. At school, you're told consistently work hard. you got to work harder, work hard, work hard, work hard. And so this becomes the narrative that we live our lives by, which is I've got to work hard if I want to go further. If I want to compete in this game of in this race of life, I've just got to keep going and I've got to keep doing. And so when clients come to me, they often have a part of me, which is part of them, which is so desperate to slow down. It is so desperate to get off the world, off this never ending cycle. But they also have a part of them, which is pushing them and driving them and causing them to have to stay. So this is what I'm working with, with lots of my clients, because we, we're not just one person. This is what we think, you know, we talk to believe we are, this is who we are. We are this one single entity, mm. but actually we're multifaceted and we have all of these different parts that live within our system uh, and they live almost as like separate people within our system. So we can have these parts which live independently, have completely different ideas, often conflicting ideas, mm. and they're still within us. So my clients have the part that's desperate to slow down. They have the part which really wants to them to give themselves more self-care. And they have the part which is like, lash that whip, keep on going, keep on moving, mm. keep on pushing. You've got to stay ahead. You've got to compete. Mm. And so what they come to me with and this is what we do what I do in a lot of my work with my clients is unpacking all of these different parts so that they can start to basically downregulate the parts which aren't supportive for them and allow parts of their system which are really supportive for what they want to achieve allow those to grow and blossom nourish them interesting I'm so curious to know the the fears that come up surrounding slowing down, are there underlying themes, common denominators that you hear when, you know, people who like want to but don't want to work on slowing down? What are the fears that are attached with that thought, that notion, that that change of lifestyle, that change of environment, pace, approach yeah. to life? What a great question. And there are so many for different people. Uh, so slowing down often is associated with many people as in kind of giving up. Mm. So if I slow down, I'm taking myself out of the race. If I slow down, other people are going to get ahead. If I slow down, I'm almost going into retirement mode. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm not able to be as successful as I could be. These are some of the stories. And so many of us relate our value to how much we do and how productive we are. So we feel lesser than if we are not being as productive as we could be. 
So with my clients, I often witness an adversity to wanting to sit down and do nothing. But that's the worst thing in the world, sitting, Uh doing nothing. You know, (laughs) who does that make me? If I sit and do nothing, that makes me lazy. So Mm -hmm. one of the big stories that I hear my clients have is around laziness and a complete fear of being called lazy. I don't know if you remember as a child, maybe, maybe you didn't, but many people are called lazy by their parents. You're lazy. Get off the couch. You're lazy. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I would never called lazy, but I can relate to kind of that notion of meritocracy where, you know, hard work is rewarded. You get further in life by working hard. But I guess too, I also am lucky I did see my parents relax. I saw my parents work damn hard, like really hard. But I did also see my parents, you know, I would see my mom sit in the the back living room. We had, I guess, two living spaces. So I would see her sit there and just read the paper. And I was so perplexed by this behavior because this is not common to me. Like this is very foreign. Foreign? Foreign. Um, (laughs) One day I must have been all of about eight or nine years of age and I asked her what she was doing. And she said, relaxing. And I, I thought she was basically giving up on life. I'm like, oh, girl, you have let yourself go. What are you doing? She's like, relaxing. Yeah. And I mean, good on her. She had definitely, not that one has to justify it, but she had definitely worked hard. And again, isn't it funny? Like I find myself going to say worthy of relaxing. And why do we even have to be worthy of relaxing? If we know that it's good for us, then. Yeah. If again, we know it- good for us okay the operative words that you're saying but even in what you just told me then you mentioned when your mum is when you saw her relaxing you thought to yourself is she giving up on life yeah I did like that's you is is she letting herself go like these the narratives which we grow up with as Mm -hmm. a culture if Mm -hmm. you sit down if you relax you're giving up okay you're not in the race you're not succeeding you're not going to get to wherever this end goal that we're all infinitely chasing because we never ever reach it wherever that is okay we're not going to get there because we're giving up because we're slowing down because we're taking time to pause because we're creating a break we're doing nothing mm-hmm. so this is what we're dealing with we're dealing with this ingrained in our society in our culture that it is bad to slow down that somehow we are flawed if great mm. if we relax and these uh, are patterns that come down through, even through our parents, even through, you know, they're actually passed down to us through generations of hard work when there was a real strong hard work ethic. Mm. I, I think too, in society, and perhaps it's changing and evolving, I mean, I would hope so, but there's not much of a discernment between resting and rejuvenating and being lazy. Because they're different things, but I think they all kind of go into the same or previously have kind of all gone into the same category, like the same thing where like to rest and rejuvenate is to, you know, sleep, maybe take a bath, have some alone time, journal. It looks different for different people, right? And still serves a purpose. And that to me was really a turning point in understanding how I can be more productive is seeing downtime as well putting it on my to-do list first of all like making it something to be done because that's more fun because then when I've done it I get to tick it off my list 
but then also seeing it as something that gives back to me and when I'm deliberate about taking time off or having like 10 minutes to myself then I go into the next hour with more energy and a refreshed perspective on things yeah and more maybe excitement about the task that I'm doing and it's easy to get into a flow state instead of just looking at the same thing the same way for the same 30 minutes versus laziness to me just kind of mean means lack of effort so when I see downtime is still having a purpose to it I'm like oh that seems like way more attractive versus being lazy which in my current perspective is just not bothering to try at all and you know one can understand why that has negative connotations and why no one wants to be seen that way but it's interesting too like a lot of my well some of my clients have a tendency at times to label themselves as being lazy and I'm like girlfriend if you need half an hour to watch trashy tv take the half hour to watch trashy tv because your body's trying to tell you something and if you are not deliberate in slowing down it will make you slow down you will get sick yeah so what you're talking about through all of that and what's so important is the intention through which mm-hmm. you do okay so if the intention with is that you take this break for yourself with the intention of replenishing yourself with the intention of nourishing yourself. If you take time to do nothing to stare out of the window and your intention in that is to give yourself a break and to allow yourself some creativity and to allow yourself some spaciousness, that is a very intentional decision versus being lazy, which doesn't have a specific intention. Mm. often trying to avoid actually getting stuff done Mm. interesting so then I found in like unpacking what productivity means to me that in having moments of not being productive I'm able to be more productive which is kind of counterintuitive that's something that in the work that you do that you encounter what are people's experiences when they start to shift their perspective on what productivity means and how they can be more productive or not like how can they slow down so the brain actually needs space Mm. and when we caught up in cycles of doing 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 we do not give it any space but in order to make really really interesting different creative connections the brain actually needs space to do that on its on its own our Mm. subconscious is always working okay it is always creating patterns it's always making meanings it's always making those connections and we do not give enough credit to the space that we give ourselves which allows us to have new ideas Mm. you'll know you you may relate to this being in the shower nothing other than having a shower and you'll have a new idea drop into your head you'll have you'll go for a walk and what will you be doing just walking appreciating nature and you'll have an idea for a course drop into your head or you'll have oh my goodness this is how I need to deal with this relationship these things drop in for us when we give themselves when we give them space but Mm. we're not good at creating space because we need to fill every single moment because we have to be productive because that makes us feel valuable and Mm. so we call on this never-ending wheel where we don't give ourselves the space to receive the ideas and the creativity and the wisdom 
that will really move us forward in life. Mm. So when you said it sounds counterintuitive, yes, because that's the narrative that we're sold in mm. our schooling system by our parents, by our caregivers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, but actually, really, when we intentionally create space, that mm. is the most powerful thing that we can do for ourselves. Mm. So in a sense, all this, you know pursuit this endless pursuit of productivity is in a way blocking us from being productive this endless pursuit of productivity in my opinion blocks us from the creativity Mm. that is possible for us it Mm. blocks us from having those really creative solutions to problems it blocks us from receiving intuition because we need space to receive those messages and receive those ideas So it blocks us from all of that because we're constantly focused, like channel, tunnel visioned into our to-do lists. And what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? Mm. And two, does it block us from that creativity? Because in a sense, it's disconnecting us from our feminine, which is the more creative side. So it's almost like we're too stuck in that masculinity hamster wheel do 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 go 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 and because we're so far in one direction that we as you say we're not so accustomed to and and well versed in creating that feminine space to create and to receive so we're we're not like a yin and a yang we're just like yin yeah, with the yang. Okay, so we're just yang. We're the masculine, and we're just like yeah. all like monotoned. And yeah. so, okay, so it's like a one-sided yin yang, where we're just the yang. We're just the yang. You read my <laughs> mind, lady. You read my mind. Okay, but that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Okay, the feminine uh, is is all about the receiving, the creative, the intuition, intuition, mm-hmm. and we don't, we do not create space for that when we are caught in the masculine cycles of doing, doing, doing. Mm. So then how do we get, obviously with practice, we get better at things, right? What are some practices we can incorporate into like daily routines? Or what are some methods we can kind of gravitate towards in terms of creating space for that feminine? I like coloring in. <laughs> first of all I would always start by seeing what your relationship is with doing nothing like imagine you I know exactly I want you just to imagine right now if you had nothing on your agenda for the next week if you literally looked at your calendar and you had nothing on your agenda what happens for you I'm getting deported I tell you that much (laughs) I'll come up with some really good tweets about how I don't enjoy not doing I, I have to say, though, like the whole comment about when you're in the shower and you solve problems, my best tweets are when I'm in the shower. I need like a yeah. waterproof pen because, yeah. oh, and the first five minutes I lie down before I fall asleep, my best tweets. Yep. Uh-huh. Great content. Uh-huh. And so you start to see the connection, okay, in these spaces where you're technically not doing anything, you're not focused on mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. a specific agenda on your to-do list okay these are the spaces where you're opening up and you're actually allowing things to flow through you Mm. but I'm going to get back to my question before which was okay what would happen for you if you had nothing on your agenda yeah same answer I get deported (laughs) because 
I would just start causing chaos in my own life because then I would have something to do. I start creating problems so that I have problems to solve mm-hmm. and then I have something to do. Yeah. That's, that's my pattern. So if, if I'm not busy enough, you know, in my own definition of busy enough, I start coming up with, I do get creative. I come up with more ideas and then I make myself busier with those yeah. new ideas. Okay. So that might yeah. look like a podcast. <laughs> that might look like an <laughs> online course. Uh, might look like an event I mean not always it, I mean it's, I genuinely do want to do you know some of those things and a lot of those things but for sure if I don't feel preoccupied enough if I don't have something to formally study or if I'm not spending enough time working then I will work out for longer and or if that's a prolonged period of time then yes I start causing chaos in my own life because I start having evil ideas of how to keep myself busier. Okay. Yeah. So that's where it starts, okay, in doing this work. It starts with just becoming familiar with your patterns, Mm. starting to build awareness about what happens for you when you have nothing to do. Okay, what does that look like? How does it feel? What's the discomfort that comes up for you? And it will be different for every different person, every single person, Mm. because it always, with all the clients that I work with, it comes up in a different way. How do you work with that discomfort? Ooh. And so the work comes in how do you get comfort comfortable with the discomfort? Mm. So, and I'm really good at that when it comes to exercise. Like so good. Like yeah. day, like I can train till I vomit. Like dangerously yeah. good. But as an athlete, you learn to suppress your emotion. So uh-huh. so long as the most intense emotion is to win no other emotion matters because it's just distraction so having spent so many years you know performing at a high athletic level I guess that I'm very very familiar with to the point where it's almost comfortable if that makes sense yes. but the whole like I can't watch a movie at home I, I know I can't sit still that long yeah like that's, that's no joke I get up every half hour and like put the dishes away grab a snack what else are you doing? Okay, I'll do that in the next break. Yeah. Okay. So the first step is really becoming aware of this and your patterns. And then you have to tie yourself. If you really want to create any kind of change in life, you have to tie yourself in to why it's important for you. Okay. Change is difficult because it involves moving out of a pattern which is familiar to us. So you have to tie yourself in with why it's important. If it is not important to you, you will not make the necessary changes and you'll move back and you'll stay in Mm. this familiar pattern. So you have Mm. to tie yourself in with why bother? And you may have to tie yourself to the sofa so you don't move. (laughs) I thought that's what you were going to say. You need to tie yourself. And I'm like, to a chair? Yes, that's me. (laughs) Yes, so you can tie yourself to a (laughs) chair. (laughs) you know like if it works it works if you're laura tie yourself to your sofa and watch the buzz light movie damn it and so becoming aware of your patterns then becoming aware of why it's important for you to do this work like why bother why do it why why make any of these changes in your life and then you can start a small practice you can start a practice of putting in and it doesn't have to be big okay you can start a small practice of spending 
five minutes a day going or 10 minutes a day just going for a walk with Mm. no specific target or goal or intention the intention being to go for a walk and enjoy nature Mm. and that's the only intention it's not like a specific goal it's not like I need to walk around the block in and do this many steps it's like no I'm going to go and I'm going to appreciate being in the moment this Mm. is what my goal is for this and just allowing yourself to start experiencing these moments. And as I said, you can start as small as you need to. Mm. You know, it doesn't need something huge like doing a half an hour meditation a day, which for many people is really difficult, is a mm. difficult starting point. The brain's not used to being still for so long. Mm. So they a challenge and you don't need to start there. You can start with three minutes a day. There's so many apps now where you can do like a three minute meditation per day and you're just starting to familiarize yourself with what it feels like to pause, Mm -hmm. to take a break in the day. And that is where the work starts with familiarizing yourself with something different. And this is where the rewiring process starts in the brain. Neurons that fire together, wire together. We know that. Okay. So what you need to do is start creating a new pattern And then over time, that pattern becomes, if you keep repeating and repeating and repeating, that pattern becomes more ingrained. And over time, that actually becomes the dominant pattern and pathway in the brain. This Mm -hmm. is what neuroscience shows us. So this is why change is hard, because it involves repetition. It involves showing up, tapping yourself into why this is important for you, and keeping on doing something regularly, which is out which is usually outside of your comfort zone, which is usually something which is unfamiliar, which is out of the norm of what you would usually do. Mm. And so the work, this is it. It's allowing yourself to put these practices in your day and commit to them. Because often what happens is we say, okay, I'm definitely going to do this. And we do them for a week. Sometimes we do them for two weeks. Mm -hmm. Can you keep on committing to this? for the next month, for the next two months, for the next year. Okay. 3000 repetitions. That's what it takes for something for that new neural pathway to start being ingrained, to be ingrained mm. in the brain. 3000. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's a hell of a lot more than what people think. It's yeah. yeah easy to default to what is familiar and what feels normal and you know what feels yes. familiar feels safe and it's like well I know that I'm this sort of person and if I'm this sort of person then I do this and if I'm not someone who's busy all the time then who am I how do I handle that identity how do I embrace that and embody that identity because that initially you're just not going to feel like you yeah it's quite a it might feel like quite a confronting shift to to kind of comprehend and work through and as you say like let those three thousand let those neurons fire three thousand times yeah you reach the point of feeling comfortable with it because if you don't know who you are then how do you feel safe in this world Uh uh-huh I mean, we're just designed to stay alive, right? That's the brain and the body have one job to do, and that's to keep you the heck alive. So, alive, one hundred percent. 
So let me clarify just before anybody falls off their chair. Like it is actually three, it is 300 repetitions for those pathways to actually to get that a strong pathway and 3000 repetitions before it becomes automated. Okay. And it becomes like, you don't even think about that old way of being anymore. Okay. Just every morning because you've done it so yeah, many times. Exactly. That's the 3000 and, and it's 300. So if you think about how much that's, you know, obviously that's almost a year, which you need to keep practicing something continuously. Mm. So what the research is showing us but you're absolutely right when you talk about this being difficult and this being a whole new identity that you have to own for yourself and you have to make a decision and that's why working with a coach or somebody that can help you in this is in my view I mean it's just so important because it is somebody to hold you accountable to that it's somebody to hold you accountable to a higher vision it's somebody to hold a higher vision than you possibly have for yourself it's somebody for to tap you back into that when times get hard when things get challenging when you know you're on holiday and it's difficult to stick to routines when you have you know all these things happen around you in your environment and you're finding it difficult to really align yourself with the purpose and why you need to change it is somebody to bring you back to that place Okay. Remember, remember, remember why this is important. Remember why you decided to do this work. Remember what you did. Remember what you're here to create. It's it's true. I find having someone who believes that you can achieve what it is that you're setting out to achieve is also a super powerful thing because sometimes we can be so caught up in our own thoughts and feelings that we lose the the bigger perspective the like wide angle lens you know we're so zoomed in so often I feel that when you have someone who's a bit more zoomed out because you're not so caught up in your own thoughts and feelings and they can see you embodying this person who doesn't need to be productive all the time it gives hope back to us that oh well if they can see me doing that then perhaps it is possible that I can do that myself yes 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 they can hold that dream and they can hold an even bigger vision for you than you have for yourself and they can keep that alive for you even in the moments where everything else feels difficult and it feels challenging and in those moments where you want to give up or those moments that you forget like we're human every single one of us we're human we're all on this journey together and in those moments we do forget at times why we should do this work why it's important to us what we're trying to what we want to create for ourselves mm. and to it's interesting because i think we're very addicted to having things in our to-do list but are we that productive when it comes to achieving our bigger picture dreams and goals I think we're just very reactive as a society I don't think we're in a more formalized and structured manner actually that productive if you look at it if you ask them all of their six and 12 month and two year and five year goals are should they have any what are they doing on a day-to-day week-to-week month-to-month basis in order to work towards those things I don't know if many people could really tell you what they're doing to work towards those things I think people are just very reactive we're just addicted to feeling important like we have some sort of value because the more things on our to-do list the more valuable we have 
And perhaps if we're to fulfill ourselves on a deeper level, by connecting to ourselves on a deeper level and giving ourselves more of what we actually need from ourselves, perhaps some of that starts to dissipate. Yeah, I agree. There's also a neurochemical reason. Mm. So we love uh, dopamine is a body is a, a neurochemical that the body produces. It's a, the body's way of rewarding itself. You know this okay, in your work as well. And so when we tick things off on a to-do list, we get a dopamine hit. Mm -hmm. okay? We get that rush. We get that instant gratification, that instant reward. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's much easier for us to focus on to-do lists, short-term things, things which, you know, yeah, okay, tick, done. Whereas bigger picture, long-term goals, which we're moving towards, okay, unless we have broken those down into those really tiny daily, almost daily, weekly steps, we don't have anything to tick off. Mm. And so we don't have the neurochemical release that's working in our favor. We have to keep ourselves motivated towards that. We have to have that goal, that vision so clearly imprinted. We have to know why we're doing it. We have to know why we're going there. And that reason, that has to be something which is for us. And also it needs to be something which is part of the greater good as well. Mm. Because what we know for sure is that having a contribution to the world at large is something which is so fulfilling. Mm. And it keeps us on the path. It keeps us motivated. If we're just doing it for us, it's very easy to drop off that path and go, you know, I'm going to put it off until next week. I can wait till next month. You know what? 2023 is a great year. I'm just going to hang on for that. But when we tie ourselves into a purpose which also has a sense of contribution and giving back and a greater purpose, that is the gold. Ooh. And perhaps too, just reflecting on the health and fitness industry, uh, perhaps that is why people are more likely, another reason why people are more likely to stick at something such as a 30-day challenge because it's more instantly rewarding than yes. to embark on a six-month journey or two-year journey because, honestly, the, the bodies that people want to create for themselves are far more likely to take two years at a minimum than two months. Yeah. Uh, so I just was thinking then on all these 30 day challenges. And you're right, like you get a great escape of dopamine, you get a greater sense of achievement. It's like, look, I lost five kilos in 30 days and five percent body fat. And, you know, I gave up yeah. wine and I gave up carbs and I gave up cheese and all the food I enjoy. And I'm really miserable, but I'm five kilos lighter. <laughs> exactly. And unless you've tied yourself into a greater vision for yourself of why bother? Why do all of this? And that vision also exists outside of you. It is really easy to go back to eating those carbs, putting on that weight, slipping back into those old patterns. And this is the part which many people miss. It is the short-termism. And because of that, change is hard. Mm. So you're right. Again, unless you're committed to changing your relationship with productivity and I guess yourself as well, then you're continuing to be racing on that hamster wheel 
And definitely. Uh-huh, you got it. You got it, girl. And so what you just said then about changing your relationship with yourself, that's actually the key. That's what it's all about because it's learning how to value yourself outside of being productive and constantly productive. So this is where the deep work comes in. And this is the work that I do with my clients is really, really tying them back into how, how what's the relationship with themselves? How can they grow that self-love for themselves? How can they know that they're always showing up to support themselves? How can they grow that trust, which often we've actually lost trust with ourselves through all the years that we have discredited ourselves, not kept to our word, not said what we're what not done what we're going to do. You know, we lose trust with ourselves and how can we rebuild that? And then how can we have this sense of value in ourselves that means no matter how productive we are in a day, we've still got our own backs. No matter what we achieve, what we tick off on our to-do list, we're still there for ourselves and we still love ourselves. No matter what we achieve in that week, we still are safe. And this is the work. This is the whole work. Okay, this is what it comes down to. That's like something you said just then was so interesting. To paraphrase, how do we value ourselves when we're not being productive? Because isn't that such an interesting thought that you don't have to be doing and achieving and ticking off a list to still be valuable? To still be valuable, to still be a fully functioning member of society, to still be valuable to other people, to your community. And we have got it so backwards because the reality is that we're actually more valuable when we give ourselves space. But yet we run a narrative that we have to be constantly doing and achieving in order to be valuable. So we've got this whole back to front thing going on and it takes some adjustment to revamp that for ourselves and to step into a place where we are completely valuable human beings taking that hour out in fact makes us even more valuable as a person in Mm. fact means that we can show up in an even greater way for people around us because we're more rested it means that we've given ourselves some space to see if we can receive some creativity for the day some innovation Mm. all of these things okay which we don't value as much as being productive, we get to shift that because we're incredibly powerful beings. And so then thinking about like typical workplace setup, obviously we've had some changes since the pandemic and people are a a little bit more now able to be productive on their own time if they're working from home. How else could that look in today's current society or can it what I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how we could do better in the workplace in terms of allowing for more productivity through inactivity if that makes sense yeah well I think it firstly comes down to the self Mm. okay because it comes down to how are you going to manage yourself in a work in a workplace where productivity is valued how are you going to manage yourself so that you know that the space that you take is going to make you even more invaluable for your employer and in your workplace? And unless you have that cemented inside you, you are always going to find yourself being at the mercy of everybody else's agenda. So you have to have that solid in you. And then you have to be the one that carves out time because no one else is going to do it for you. No one else. There aren't many workplaces out there that are going to carve out 
a half an hour creativity break that are going to say, you know, put in your calendar for you. Okay, here's your lunch break. You take that outside and you go walk around and you get in touch with nature or you just spend some time away from your desk. They're not going to do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. Mm. So you have to be the one that empowers yourself to know that this is valuable and that you bring even more value by doing this. And then you have to carve out that time for yourself to do this. You have to put it in your calendar, just like you do. Okay. Mm. Yourself, you know, with your spaciousness time, I'm going to call it that. I don't know. You probably don't call it that. That phrasing. I like that phrasing. Um, <laughs> I do. have to put it into your calendar. Initially, I can understand people's challenge in getting to that point, though, because initially it, it is more work. It's another thing on the calendar. It's another thing in a way, like it is another thing to do, isn't it? it it's more until those neurons have fired 300 times and then until they have fired 3,000 times. And I guess that's where the importance of enjoying the processes is so critical and having someone to lean into when you're like oh forget it this is too hard I just want to be a starfish on the floor (laughs) (laughs) well I'm going to take you back to that intention because it's interesting that you say that it's more because it doesn't have to be it depends the intention that you come to this with if Mm. your intention carve out space for you if your intention is to create space to nourish yourself as you if your intention is to allow yourself some more space for creativity does that really feel like more okay mm. it can feel more if you are used to being at the mercy of other people's agendas and available you know 24 mm. 7 then mm. it can feel difficult to carve out that time and that's where I come in with a lot of my clients who are really used to being at the mercy of other people's agendas and I used to being the person that puts their hand up to everything and says, yes, I'll do it. The do, do, do. And so then that comes in the identity shift again. Who am I? Can I still be valuable if I'm taking control of my own time? If I'm really carving out some time for me, if I'm allowing myself some more spaciousness, mm. then can I still be valuable? Can I still love myself through this? Mm. Interesting. What are some signs that someone might be feeling challenged in connecting with this feminine creativity switching off side of themselves? I remember you mentioned burnout earlier before. That's been a key one. Burning, burnout is what, generally speaking? That's going to look different for different people, I guess. Yeah, very different. Well, let me take you back to some of the signs that you might witness if Mm -hmm. you are kind of caught in this. You'll notice that you are constantly busy, that there never seems to be time to do things for you. You may notice it generally goes quite hand in hand with perfectionist tendencies. So you may notice that you can't get things wrong, that you can't make mistakes You may run narratives that hard work is the only rewarding work. Got to work hard, got to work faster, got to do more. You may find that you're at the mercy of other people's agendas constantly, which leaves you feeling feeling frustrated. It leaves you feeling that there is no space for you in the equation. Mm. You may feel uncomfortable with being supported 
because often if you're used to overachieving and doing everything yourself Mm. You, this is part of it you don't you're not used to being supported and delegating and asking for that help so you're constantly in the do 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 cycle uh, you may run narratives which are I'm not as good as people think I am which which is actually the the driver behind the need to do 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 because mm. you have to keep achieving because someone out there might call you out otherwise mm interesting so it's almost as though there's a point to prove before someone else can prove a point about you yeah so this is one of the signs that I see in my clients mm. it is this feeling that maybe I'm not up to scratch perhaps other people might I might get caught out by other people so I need to be there I need to be constantly there I need to look like I am proving my value and my worth because underneath there is a feeling of inadequacy in who I am and what I offer. Mm. Interesting. So like a sense of inferiority in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I tend to see it as inadequacy in something that you're doing or perhaps in how you measure up to your peers or people around you. So mm. there's a sense that if I am not constantly doing I it may fall behind or I may get caught out. Not keeping up with the Joneses. Yes. Yeah, so there's the massive sense as well around this sense of competition and how do I measure up? This often feeds in to the overachievement and the overdoing. How am I measuring up to other people? Am I falling behind? And even in that, as I say that, if you tune into yourself, you may experience a feeling of, you know, shorter breath, urgency, the urgency and the slight panic that comes with needing to keep up, needing to do more. Mm. And then we probably end up doing less because we fill our plates with so much that like, where do you even begin on your to-do list? There's just like so many things that I've experienced this before where there's just so much to be done that it's it's overwhelming to the point of not being able to begin. Yes, absolutely. And so this is the case for many people that they can end up in this cycle of feeling constantly overwhelmed. It's another one of the big symptoms I see with my clients when they come to me. They're like, I'm so overwhelmed. I've got all of these demands on me and I'm constantly giving and I'm constantly doing. So where am I in all of this? Mm. lost sight of where they are of who they are of how they fit into the equation where where is that sense of self if again if you are not doing if and if you're not doing everything then who are you as a person yes exactly a lot of people I think would feel challenged in answering yes Exactly. And so it all comes back to doing that deep inner work on who am I? How do I value myself? What's really important to me outside of all of this noise around me? Mm. What do I care about? What are my desires? What are my deepest desires? What's my truth? Mm. And it's the work that many people don't do. Many people go through their whole lives not discovering what their truth is. And so they live their lives 
in with other people's truths, which we pick up from caregivers, from all these different people around us. And unless we have a foundation of knowing what our truth is, what our desires are, why we're showing up, what's really important to us, mm. we don't have that inner core. We don't have that stability. We don't have anything to come back to which says, okay, am I still on the path? Am I still aligned? Is mm. this still true for me? And so all we have is all of this noise from outside there which means that we're constantly doing and we're constantly pushing and we're striving for a goal. And maybe it's not our goal, but we're not really quite sure. And so this is what drives this whole world, productivity world as well. Mm. I guess exhausting too, if you're constantly giving to people or areas of your life that don't align with you, you know, giving is one thing to give to something that gives to you sounds fulfilling as well as necessary but to give to people and to put your time energy effort and attention into areas of life or into people who where there doesn't seem to be any potential upside to you as a result of that that just sounds very draining yeah it is of course it is if if you're giving and it's not in alignment with your truth if it's not in alignment with something that's important to you if it's in contradiction to your values you will mm. always feel a tension mm. and so this tension then manifests in many different ways and you may see it manifests in your clients in the physical body because mm-hmm. it manifests in so many different ways depression anxiety in the body, in headaches, I would think. Yeah. Headaches, migraines, fatigue, brain fog. Absolutely. All these physical symptoms. Mm. What is it, what else is it that we need to know about productivity? What else is it that people are not discovering or yet to discover or talking about? when it comes to productivity? The conversations that we need to have, in my view, around productivity are all around how do we reconnect with, and you said it before, it's with the feminine side of ourselves. Mm -hmm. How do we reconnect in with integrating, fully integrating the two sides of ourselves, which need to be integrated to keep us in balance, to keep us in harmony, to keep us in alignment, because we need the masculine we need those systems, those structures. We need that drive, but we also have to have the feminine. And this is not just for women. This is for men as well. Men also have a masculine and a feminine uh, energy. So we need to have those in balance. We need to have those in harmony. We need to be having conversations about how we prepare people for the world of work. Like what conversations are we actually having around work? Because there's the truth that we're all living, which many of us, I should say, are living, which is hard work equals more success, which is just not true. Okay. It is not true. It is a complete fabrication. It is a myth. Mm. I know many, many, many billionaires, multimillionaires out there who literally do not work very hard. And as success whatever we define as success, say we define it in terms of wealth, financial Mm. wealth, they are generating significant quantities of that. Mm. We buy into a myth 
that hard work equals more financial reward, which is not true. And so unless we start to look at some of these patterns, which we are living into, some of these narratives, which we're all living into in some way, and actually questioning their truth, and actually saying, hang on, is this true? Like, what evidence is there that this is not true? Is there evidence out there that this is not true? Unless we start questioning them, we keep repeating these cycles and living into this fabricated view of the way that society is. Mm. Yeah, I really like what you said there. I think the focus and emphasis from what I can tell seems to be, you know, we, we enter a school system and as we go through that school system, we start to identify our strengths and what we might like to do for work. And by the time we're finished school, we should have some sort of five-year plan where we get a tertiary education so that we can become certified in that field so that we can get that job. And then we become adults and we're proper adulting because we've got a full-time job and we've got a university degree and like bippity boppity boop done now we're adulting but how many of us think about maybe the more creative side and think about designing the life of our dreams like if you were to design your ideal life what does that look like does it involve a university degree Maybe it doesn't. Does it involve working 40, let's face it, no one in Singapore works 40 hours a week. Like, does it involve working 60 hours a week and being up at 5 to have a call with the US and being up at 8 p.m. having a call with the UK? Maybe not. So I, I guess I see the school system as also being very much in the masculine of like, okay, this is the end goal. This is the process. You go through the process, you get to the end goal, and then you just work your ass off for 40 years, getting more and more miserable by the year, and then you retire. Then you get to be creative and feminine, and then you get to enjoy the fruits of all that bit in the middle. Absolutely bonkers. It is crazy, crazy, crazy that we live in this world, that this is the narrative that we're living into, that you push yourself so hard. Mm. And then when you retire, when you're in your 70s, because many of us will retire into our 70s and we're actually not at our peak health, this is when we get to enjoy life. You don't get to really enjoy it before then because you're just at the mercy and beck and call of your work of your environment. And it doesn't have to be that way. Something that you said before, a word that really jumped out at me, which was around designing your life is absolutely, it is entirely possible to design your life. I literally live my dream life. And I can tell you when I wrote this life down, okay. I life down when I was living back in London about 12 years ago. And I wrote this exact life. Okay. I was having some coaching, my own coaching at the time. And I wrote this live down. And now when I look back at that, I can't even comprehend that I have created this. I've created a life where I have complete freedom over how much I work, over where I work, over 
how much time I spend with my family. I've created a life where I'm financially completely independent, where I can even support my entire family if I choose to do so. I have created a job and a career which I love with such a passion that I wake up every single morning. And I am so excited to do what I do and to serve the people that I serve. And this is not just me. Mm. I didn't do this because I'm some magic, you know, wizard. I did this with intention. And this is what people don't realize. They don't realize that it comes down to sitting down and designing that life. And it comes down to really sitting and thinking about who that person is. Who is that person who lives that life? What mm. kind of qualities do they have? How do they hold themselves? How do they show up? And stepping into that actively and with intention. Mm. So this is the magic dust. Mm. This is what life is. And instead, many of us feel powerless and we feel at the mercy of things around us. Mm. And so my with most of my clients is helping them step into their power. That's literally what I do. I help them really regain all of the power, all of the energy drains, which they are giving to all these people around them and allowing themselves to be at the mercy of all of these things, which they don't need to, all of these stories, all of these different agendas, and they can let them go. And they can really step into that foundation of what's important to them. And then they design the life that they want. Mm. Which is so, so much more powerful than just being the victim of a system, right? Being the victim of an educational system or like a work system. And I think with entrepreneurialism, especially becoming more in vogue, more commonplace, more societally accepted. And I think there's just structures in place that make for example, being an entrepreneur easier. Like if you have the internet, you can quite easily have your own business. And that's not to say that's the only approach to designing your own life. It's not. But I, I feel like that removes a lot of those boundaries that we encounter in the workplace. Because as you mentioned and touched on earlier, it, the current work system and workplace is not really Go, going to say hey okay so 30 minutes we're all coloring in at the main table let's go <laughs> you know so it is still very much on us as individuals as everything in our own lives should be it's still very much our responsibility it's not led by the workplace whereas I think being an entrepreneur you get to lead your work life you to a greater do. degree and I'm going to add to that it also comes with a whole load of its own challenges Sure. Whole, sure. We can do a podcast on this, okay? Because it's massive personal development. It's the biggest personal growth journey you can ever go on. Mm-hmm. But most of my clients actually tend to be from corporate. And they do this in corporate. They design a life that works for them in corporate. They get so in touch with who they want to be and how they want to show up that mm-hmm they do carve out time, that they do start to create an agenda in a day which works for them, where where they let go of the narratives which aren't supporting them. Sometimes they leave unsupportive workplaces and they call in different corporate careers for themselves. But we're not all cut out to be entrepreneurs. Let's be honest, we're not. It's It's a journey and it's a soul journey. And, you know, it comes with a lot of its own challenges. And so this is in 
entirely possible for anybody that is in the corporate world to do this work and to live this life and to create fulfillment in what they're doing in an environment which supports them to some degree. But first of all, they need to get in touch with themselves and empower with in touch with their own power. Mm. And then they need to start putting those pillars and that plan in place so that they know they're showing up in in alignment with how they want to be. So that's the first step you would say is is connecting with what is it that you truly want? Are you willing to evolve your relationship with productivity? Productivity, is that something you're willing to commit to? Yeah. So what do you really want? Is it important to you? Why do this work? Then get in touch with how it feels to you to have nothing on your to-do list. What does that look like? What comes up for you? What are those fears? What are those challenges that arrive? And then it comes down to putting a practice in place with intention and sticking to it. You are intention. Practice with Mm -hmm. intention and sticking to that practice so that it becomes a non-negotiable for you. So Mm -hmm. that this practice informs how you are, how you show up, and you know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Again, because then if if you think that you want productivity, but you're not committing in your actions, oh, sorry, if you want to not be so caught up in the hamster wheel in the rat race and being, for lack of a better term, addicted to productivity, you just end up with more internal friction because you say you want thing, but you're doing another. It's like saying you want to lose 10 kilos, but you want to down a bowl of red wine and and come and bear each night. Like, doesn't it quite add up, does it? Exactly. So this is what happens. And then wherever there's friction, wherever there's conflict, we create tension and we create stress. Mm -mm. And we don't need more stress. No. No. We do not need more stress. No. no. You know, and some this is a whole nother subject as well, but many of us are addicted to stress. Okay. Mm. But that's a whole nother subject. So uh, to that now. Okay. But many of us are addicted to this. So this is why I say if you're really, really keen to do this work, reach out to somebody that can help you, mm. that can help you look at some of these patterns, that can help you understand and hold a bigger vision for yourself than you could ever hold for mm. you that sees you in that mm. and that support you through that as well. Well, I've always, this has been a very insightful and enlightening and, well, conversation, first of all, and has been an important reminder to myself to continue to work on time away from productivity, I guess. Proactively practicing, (laughs) not being proactive, having that downtime, which I have to say I've definitely improved upon but would I say those neurons have fired 3,000 times no we're not there yet so (laughs) (laughs) we'll keep working to the 3,000 mark where I would say maybe halfway ish I would say (laughs) confidently a side of the way so that's um we will have your uh Instagram handle and connections in the show notes below so people can connect directly with you and now you just like got me thinking about all the different conversations we can have next on the next episode 
Yes, fantastic. Well, as always, it's been an absolute joy. I love talking to you. I love talking about everything mindset growth related. So I will look forward to coming back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, there's no shortage of things to talk about. So yeah, I'm going to have some feminine, you know, creative time to like maybe mull that over and then switch back to the masculine and we'll get it sorted. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, darling. It was lovely to chat to you today. Likewise. I'm so glad your trip went well and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Okay. See you. Bye. Guys, that's it. That's a wrap. That's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Real Talk with your gal pal. That's me, Laura Rogers. Please be sure to leave us a review. Give us your feedback on what else you would like me to talk about. I always want to deliver content on things that excite you and that are going to benefit you in your health and fitness journey. So do give us a review. Before you forget, I know you're busy. I've got to run off and record another episode. Do check us out on the other social media platforms listed below as well because you might just like what you see or hear there. So, you know, be sure to do that. I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. And again, please leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. It would mean the absolute world to me. Stay healthy and I'll see you in the next one.